You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Evelyn, your Jesus loves you so much. That he comes down from heaven, he's lifted up on the cross, he sheds his blood and suffers God's anger so that he can have you as his own, as his dear and precious child. And this morning Jesus calls you his sister and his friend because he brings that victory of his cross and his resurrection straight to you. He puts it on your name, his forgiveness to you. All of this in your baptism. And Evelyn, Jesus loves you so much that he will come again for you so that where he is, you will be also. This is the Christian's hope. The hope of all the baptized. That Jesus will return soon and that we will rejoice in him eternally, world without end. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. We say that every day when we say the creed. We hear that promise day after day or page after page in the scriptures that Jesus is coming. And this promise is a promise of both joy and anguish because his coming for us to deliver us also marks the judgment of the world, the judgment of unbelievers. So Jesus does not just tell us that he is coming. He warns us that he is coming. And he commands us as church to be watchful and ready. Now, this is okay for a while. But after, but after a bit of waiting, this gets more and more difficult. It's been a long time since Jesus gave the promise of his return. It's been, in fact, almost 2,000 years since he ascended into heaven. And we, his Christians are still waiting. Now, Jesus knew that it would be a long time, and Peter knew, and Paul knew, they all knew that it was going to be a long time. And so the Scriptures warn us of this, of this long duration of waiting. Peter, in fact, not only tells us about it, but tells us why. This is Second Peter. Knowing that, first of all, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires... They will say, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For they, that is the scoffers, deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and was perished. By the same word the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook, Peter continues, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years are as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, 
And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and all the works that, done in, that are done in it will be exposed. So far, Peter. The Lord is patient. The Lord is delaying. The Lord is extending the time between His ascension and His second coming for the sake of the unbelieving world. His patience is so that His Word would continue to go forth, that people would continue to hear it and believe it, that fewer and fewer people would on the last day come into judgment, but more and more would come to life. And so we rejoice in the delay of our Lord's return. But Jesus also knows that this delay is dangerous. It's dangerous for us. It's dangerous for you. So He teaches us this parable, a gospel text. The parable of the ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. These ten virgins take their lamps and go to wait for the bridegroom. And they are to be ready with their lamps burning when he arrives. But the bridegroom stalls. He delays. And five were not ready for that. All ten of the virgins fall asleep, but then at midnight comes the cry, Wake! Awake! The bridegroom is coming. And so these ten virgins wake up and they ready their lamps and they get ready to go out and meet the bridegroom, but they realize, at least five of them realize, they don't have enough oil in their lamps. They try to borrow oil from the other wise virgins who had the oil with them, but they say, there's not enough for us and you. Go to the store and get some of your own. And as they're gone, the bridegroom comes and calls the five wise into the wedding feast and the door is shut. The five foolish then come to knock on the door. We don't know if they found oil or not, but they come and knock on the door. Lord, Lord, open to us also. And then some of the most frightful words in the entire scripture. I don't know you. And these foolish virgins are sent away into darkness. The bridegroom is Jesus, the virgins of the church, those who are outwardly waiting for the Lord's coming. And the oil represents all the gifts that the Lord gives in the third article of the creed, the Holy Spirit, God's Word, the sacraments, and faith that believes all of these things. All this goes together. If we're reading this then correctly, we should all shudder. For there are... For there are ten virgins, but only five attain eternal life. There are ten that look like they belong to the bridegroom, but in the end, only five are there. There are ten sitting in church, but in the end, only five make it to heaven. Now, Jesus tells us this because he wants us to be part of the five. Jesus tells you this because he wants you to be part of the wise virgins and not part of the foolish ones. So we do well, we in fact do very well to consider what their foolishness consisted of. It wasn't after all that they didn't know how to work a lamp. <laughs> I mean, they're fairly simple devices. You have a bowl with an oil in it and a wick that comes out and you light it and it burns until the oil runs out. And it wasn't the fault of the foolish virgins, it wasn't their foolishness that they were sleeping when the bridegroom returned. After all, all ten of the virgins were sleeping, even the wise ones. 
The foolish virgins had, and this is the problem, they had four pieces of false doctrine that they were clinging to, bad ideas that at the end resulted in them being in outer darkness. And here at least are four of the bad ideas of the foolish virgins. We're going to consider these and see if we hold to them as well. Number one, the bridegroom won't come back today. Someday. But not today. Number two, I won't need my own oil. There'll be enough for people to share. Number three, I'll have time between the announcement of the arrival of the bridegroom and his actual arrival to get things in order. And finally, four, when push comes to shove, I'm sure he'll let me in, even without the oil. Now, I want to consider these in turn. And I want you to think about your own ideas about the Lord's second coming and see if any of these thoughts are clinging to your own mind. The first one is this. He won't come back today. Someday, but not today. Today, after all, this is why this is such a great temptation. Today seems a lot like yesterday. And yesterday seemed a lot like the day before. All we know is the sun rising and the sun setting, going about our lives. We know that yesterday the earth didn't dissolve, the day before the earth didn't dissolve, so we assume that today the earth won't dissolve. The trumpet didn't blast on Friday or on Saturday, so surely it won't blast today. And all we know is the Lord not coming back. So it's easy for us to forget or to get lazy about this or to think that it's some time in this great distant future. In fact, I suspect that each time we sin, we demonstrate that this thought rolls around in our own minds. At least I've got a couple hours before Jesus gets back. So I'll be able to get away with this and straighten things up later. The, the five foolish virgins were there waiting for the bridegroom, but their expectation of his return had grown cold. His return for them was a far-off event. Now, it could be, dear saints, that the Lord could return in the day of our great-grandchildren, and that's not our concern. Jesus has set us here to live each day as if it were the one, the day, the last one. That we would be ready and watchful and not weary of looking for the Lord's coming to rescue us. The second thing the foolish virgins thought was this. I don't need my own oil. There's maybe a common store of it somewhere. Maybe there's a vat or a jar of oil that we can all share. And they thought they didn't need their own supply. Now, how does that look for us? Perhaps this is the person who has confidence that they'll be saved because they're part of the club, because they go to church, or because they went to church at some point. I was confirmed. I used to go to vacation Bible school when I was a kid. Or even I go to church every week, but there is no oil. That is, there is no faith in God's promise, no trust in His provision, no feasting on His Word. It will indeed be a frightful day the last day, 
to those who do not have faith in Jesus. A firm trust in His promise of life and His mercy. It will be a frightful day to those who thought that because they were members of a church or their name was on the rolls that they're in. The third false doctrine that the virgins have is that they think they'll have time between the announcement and the arrival of the bridegroom. That there will be on the last day a little margin for them to make things right. The cry goes out in the parable. The bridegroom is coming. Come to the wedding feast. And they have to run off to find a grocery store and buy some oil. But there is no time. The last day comes like a bolt of lightning. There is no early warning system. If you are not ready, you are not ready. I've talked to so many people who say things like this. I really need to get back in church. I really need to pick up my Bible and read it. What are you waiting for? If there is a common thread that runs through every single Bible passage about the last day, it is this, that it will come suddenly. And if your lamp is empty, it's empty forever. There is no time to make up for it. This, by the way, is the very, at least one of the very great dangers of the teaching that we hear all the time about the rapture. You've heard people talking about this? That, that there'll be a day when all of a sudden Jesus comes halfway back to the earth and the Christians are kind of secretly, silently removed. And then there'll be seven years of trouble. And then the second coming. I mean, first of all, this is nowhere in the Bible. It's complete science fiction. But it produces the very kind of dangerous thinking that Jesus warns us about, that after the rapture, there'll be time to straighten things out before the judgment. No, if you're not ready on that day, you are eternally unready. Finally, and fourth, and this is perhaps the worst, the false doctrine that's underneath all the other false doctrines. The foolish virgins think that when push comes to shove, I'll still be allowed to get into the wedding feast even without the oil. The door was shut, but still they come knocking, thinking that the bridegroom will open. <coughs> the bridegroom will open for them. If they just give him a wink. <laughs> After all, they were there with the other virgins. They did have their lamps with oil in them for a little while. And, and, this bridegroom is a pretty nice guy. These foolish virgins hadn't even imagined the possibility that they would be left out of the wedding feast. This false doctrine is underneath all the others. It is the dangerous idea that there is no judgment, that there is no hell, or that if there is a hell, surely I don't deserve it. This false doctrine is a denial of the Lord's law that we are all guilty, all of us, and that we really, truly do deserve God's punishment, His wrath forever. Oh, I know I made mistakes, but I'm not that bad. That's the foolish virgin talking. And this false doctrine is also a denial of the gospel. That the Lord has prepared a way to heaven. A way, one way, Jesus and his blood. Surely there's many ways to heaven. Not just faith in Jesus that saves. I don't need this kind of oil. I can go in the other way. That's foolish virgin talk. 
And this talk is everywhere. It, it, and it creeps. You should certainly know this. It creeps over time into our own hearts and into our own minds. This denial of law and gospel, and this is what makes it so difficult, is a pseudo-faith. If someone, after all, says that God is such a nice guy that he won't let anyone perish forever, it looks like they have faith in the mercy of God, but it's not faith at all. It's not trusting God's word, his word of law, which condemns us of our sin, and his word of gospel, which forgives us of our sin. So the foolish virgins think that they don't need the oil. They don't take the requirements seriously. They think that they'll be able to get in just because they're the virgins. And they are wrong. All of these ideas are, are dangerous. And all of these ideas are constantly tempting us. But we have the solution given by Jesus. Oil. Have oil in your lamps. And the five wise, the five wise who had the oil, they knew they had the oil. So confident were they that they could even fall asleep and take a nap while they waited for the bridegroom to come. Because they had oil. That is, because they trusted the Lord's promise. The five wise knew their sin. And they knew even more than their sin. They knew the righteousness of Jesus. These five wise virgins beat back the devil and his lies by simply clinging to the readiness of faith. A simple trust in the name of Jesus. A delighting in their baptism. You, dear saints, are part of the wise because you have already the word of promise that you have passed from death to life, from judgment to righteousness. You know that. So that even when the stars are falling out of the sky and the mountains are shaking and falling into the depths of the sea, you will stand sure, still, firm in the hands of Jesus. The one who loves you. The one who died for you. And the one who is coming for you. This this simple faith in our Lord and His mercy, this simple trust in His promised forgiveness, this is the welcome, the assured welcome of the five wise virgins. And it is your certainty of heaven and life everlasting. May God grant that we would hear on the last day the joy of the bridegroom's welcome that our sins are forgiven. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.